Welcome to Blueprint for Efficiency, a webinar speaker series hosted by the Center for Business and the Environment at Yale and the MIT Energy Club. My name is Stuart DeCue and I will be your host for this afternoon's presentation. We're pleased to host the one-stop shop for energy efficiency, removing barriers to participation in the retrofit marketplace with CNT Energy, a division of the Center for Neighborhood Technology. We would like to acknowledge the Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation for their funding support of the Carbon Finance Speaker Series at Yale. This series of public webinars will feature the latest developments in energy efficiency policy, investment, technology, and community engagement, with a special focus on the Department of Energy's Better Buildings program. In today's talk, Peter Ludwig, Energy Efficiency Programs Manager for CNT Energy, and Patrick McRoy, Director of Regional Retrofits at CNT Energy, will discuss CNT Energy's award-winning Energy Savers program, a one-stop energy efficiency shop that focuses on affordable, multifamily buildings in the Chicago region. Peter and Patrick, uh, we'll explore how Chicago plans to build on the success of the Energy Savers Program through the implementation of the Chicago Region Retrofit Ramp-Up, CR3, with the support of a grant from the Department of Energy's Better Buildings Program. The Energy Savers Program helps building owners navigate the complexities of investing in energy efficiency by offering energy assessments, recommendations for cost-effective improvements, assistance finding contractors, and quality control. In the three years since the program started, Energy Savers has helped local building owners upgrade more than 3,000 housing units, cutting energy costs by 30% on average. A bit of background about today's speakers. Peter, Peter Ludwig is Energy Efficiency Programs Manager for CNT Energy. His duties include developing and administering the Energy Savers Multifamily Retrofit Program and other efficiency programs, including CNT's Whole Home Retrofit Pilot Program. Mr. Ludwig was recently accredited by the Association of Energy Engineers as a Certified Energy Manager. He also assists CNT Energy with climate mitigation initiatives. Before joining CNT, Mr. Ludwig worked at JLC Environmental Consulting, a private firm in New York City, for more than six years. He has extensive experience in hazardous material building surveys, abatement design and management, hazardous material removal in occupied buildings, indoor air quality, construction safety, and industrial hygiene applications. Mr. Ludwig graduated from Wesleyan University in 1999 with a BA in Earth and Environmental Science. Patrick McElroy is the Director of Regional Retrofits at CNT Energy overseeing the implementation of programs designed to create a vibrant retrofit marketplace in the Chicago region. Since joining CNT in 2010, he's been responsible for developing strategies and systems for ensuring the smooth implementation of grant-funded projects with a particular emphasis on reporting systems. Prior to joining CNT Energy, Mr. McElroy was the Executive Director of the National Nonprofit Advocacy Organization Alliance for Healthy Homes, where he wrote and implemented several federally funded grants to increase community capacity to identify and address health hazards in housing locations around the country. In the public sector, Mr. McElroy served as the program director of, for the Chicago Lead Poisoning Prevention Program. Mr. McElroy holds an MA in Environmental Studies from Brown University and a BA in Public Policy from American Institutions from Brown University. Um, to our audience, uh, please remember during the presentation to type questions into the question box on the right-hand side of your screen, and we will relay those to our speakers at the end of the conclusion of their presentation. Please welcome Mr. Ludwig and Patrick and Mr. McElroy to Blueprint for Efficiency. Well, thank you very much uh, for that very kind introduction. Um, I think we've been oversold already, but we're excited to be with you today. Uh, this is uh, Patrick McElroy talking, and I'm joined by Peter Ludwig. Um, and I will uh, get started uh, giving you a little bit of overview uh, in general about um, where we are at um, and who we are, and then I'm going to turn it over to Peter to talk a little bit about some of our programs, and I'll come back and talk about how it ties into some larger initiatives. Uh, Peter and I are with the Center for Neighborhood Technology. Uh, CNT is a nonprofit organization, uh, over 30 years old, uh, working to promote more livable and sustainable urban communities. Uh, so we work across a variety of levels, working uh, both on sort of the research end as well as conducting policy advocacy, actually implementing programs uh, and trying to uh, change uh, practice and policy in the real world to make uh, urban places more sustainable and livable. Uh, we work in the areas of energy, transportation, natural resources, and climate change. Uh, Peter and I work particularly for our energy division, um, known as CNT Energy. Uh, our job at CNT Energy is to help communities and consumers save both energy and money. We have a couple different avenues we do that through. Uh, we work with the two utility, electric utilities in Illinois, Ameren and ComEd, to impl help implement their real 
lifetime uh, pricing programs uh, and smart metering efforts. We have our energy efficient buildings program where we work to make residential as well as commercial and municipal buildings more efficient. And we're involved in regional energy planning issues to try to figure out where our energy goes. So when we think right now about energy efficiency um, in how we try to convince property owners to undertake energy efficiency, uh, it's very difficult for the average building owner to know what it is that they need to do. Um, so there's just sort of surrounding the building owners a set of information, a set of uh, rebates and financing programs, and a whole big set of contractors who claim to have uh, the building owner's best interests in heart. It's a complete mishmash of opportunities out there. And when a building owner even, if they even think about the idea of improving the efficiency of their building, they have no idea which of these resources to turn to or how to assemble things uh, in order to actually get a desirable end result. Uh, so as a result of that, we've tried to think through how we can make the process simpler for building owners. And I'm going to turn it over to Peter to talk a little bit about our multifamily program that tries to do that. Um, thank you, Patrick. Um, so yes, as, as uh, Patrick mentioned, the Energy Savers Program is, uh, is designed to be a one-stop shop for building owners. There are hundreds of thousands of uh, multifamily units in Chicago, and um, there are a lot of contractors and a lot of building owners, and definite uh, need that we fill is to combine um, not just technical services, but um, financing um, as well, and help sort of bridge the gap for building owners between what they, between telling them what is it, what is a sound investment with regards to energy efficiency, and actually helping them find the financing and helping them actually make the improvements. So we act often as a as sort of construction manager. Um, we work with uh, building owners in private and subsidized uh, markets. And um, another key aspect of our program is that we are, I believe, the only program that actually measures, uh, or we're one of the few programs that measures post-energy post, uh, performance. So after work has been done on a building, we actually will monitor gas bills and we will address them if, they're, if the buildings are not performing as well as we thought. Um, our main financial partner who offers the lending packages is the Community Investment Corporation. Um, quick background, they've been around um, doing essentially community development work for about 30 years, um, which is as long as CNT has been around. Um, they have um, established a revolving loan fund. We often have the ability to combine um, work that would be considered energy efficiency work, um, high efficiency boilers or putting insulation in um, with bigger rehabs. Um, oftentimes they're act it's when an owner is acquiring a new building, we have the ability to wrap high efficiency measures into an overall rehab, which makes for a very flexible and usable program for the building owner. Um, our, our part is mainly to provide technical assistance to ensure that uh, equipment installation is done correctly and safely, and also to monitor uh, the energy consumption before and after work is done. Um, so far, the, it's been going really well. Uh, it seems like about half of the owners are actually using their own money because the uh, savings and the paybacks are, are pretty apparent, and sometimes if they don't even feel like they need to take out a low interest loan, um, often, and also the lending packages typically just a second mortgage, which is um, in, in a sort of secondary place behind the primary. And we have a offering a loan of at half of the prime rate, which I think is a basement of, of two and a half or something. Um, and it's a variable, variable uh, term. Uh, so a brief uh, kind of summary of what we've been up to. Uh, this program actually is uh, been running pretty strongly since 2008, and we've been looking at a lot of buildings. We are at this scale this year where we think we're going to do about 5,000 units, um, and it's about 30 units a building average, so you can kind of do the math. Um, we've been doing a lot of post-retrofit or post-installation consumption measurement, and we've, we're doing very well. We're finding on average that 
the energy savings are about 30%. Most of it uh, will, is natural gas for these buildings. Um, the portfolio of loans is performing very well. And, we're, and I think owners like the program and they think that it's a tool that they can use. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about Chicago and our approach to some technical aspects, a little bit about how we do audits. Some of them I'll sort of move through pretty quickly. Um, and uh, so basically Chicago is, um, Chicago we have a lot of old housing. Um, there's a lot of different types of buildings. Um, there's a lot of deferred maintenance. There's a lot of opportunity for improvements. And, um, and CNT was involved in uh, helping the city of Chicago with their greenhouse gas emissions plan. And one of the things that we found was that you know, buildings are a large portion of greenhouse gas emissions. And so it's a huge opportunity. And because obviously buildings are, most existing buildings are going to be there, um, this is a good investment in the housing stock to do, to do efficiency work. Um, and so what are owners faced with? Um, this is actually a picture of an old Kiwani uh, boiler made by, it looks like a train car because it was made by a company that made train cars. Um, these are the, probably the first iteration of boilers that were originally built for coal and then converted to, uh, to natural gas. Um, there are still some of these around. Um, but a lot of times this is what, what an owner is dealing with is a big oversized uh, heating system um, in, a, in a sort of U-shape or L-shape building. Um, most of what we will focus on, we'll, we will assess the energy use of the building because that's usually the first, um, the first step you take. And, and this graph sort of shows you over a typical year what you'd expect to see with the uh, y-axis be just being therms per day used and the x-axis being, you know, one sort of calendar year. Um, so you see this sort of characteristic curve of the heating load arising in the, in the midwinter mid months and what they call the shoulder months and sort of the fall and early spring are, you know, uh, a little lower. And then in the summer you have the base, what they call the base load, which is um, not, not zero because people are still cooking or using hot water, but it's markedly lower. So you're really targeting that um, that big those big uh, chunks of natural gas in the winter. Um, and so here's a graph that shows a particular building's electricity usage, and um, oftentimes uh, electricity usage is you know you can see that it looks pretty high here for kilowatts a day. It has a less characteristic curve, but when you start to look at it in the broader context of how the building uses energy overall, you find out that it's not really, uh, for, for, for this building in particular, it hasn't really, wouldn't provide the same payback uh, for an owner, it wouldn't have the same urgency as perhaps their natural gas bill would. Um, so this is one of the important parts of doing any kind of uh, benchmarking of a building's utility bills uh, to know what this distribution looks like. Um, I'll talk a little bit about how we do audits and we'll look at some pictures. And, um, we basically, we, as, as we touched on, we analyze the bills. We look at uh, sort of the how, how intense is the building's energy usage per square foot. Um, that's a pretty, we call it EUI. Some people call it heating degree index. Um, you can, there's, there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. Um, but, but basically, that's, that's a really important way to compare a building to other buildings and see what, uh, what your opportunities for energy savings are. Um, we also find that interviewing, we can interview occupants. We want to definitely to interview the building operator and find out how they are using the systems that are in place because that is a key part of any sort of ongoing sustainable efficiency effort um, is both occupant and operator behavior. And then we do a, a visual and instrumented analysis inspection of the building. And we'll talk a little bit about that. And we try to do some modeling and you have to add a little common sense to that. And then we give the owner a final report, and we'll look at an example of one of those. Um, so this is this is a typical example of why uh, technology is not enough, and why finding out what the building the building owner and operator are doing. We have this conversation probably five times a week. This box that we're looking at is a is a little gadget that adjusts the operation of a boiler based on outdoor temperature. Um, 
oftentimes the super is told by a contractor never to touch it, and that's kind of a problem if you have you know five different contractors coming in in five different years. So a lot of times just the setting of a system is an opportunity for um, for an efficiency improvement. Um, this is another little gadget that has a bunch of uh, a bunch of sensors and fancy things, and uh, so you have the ability to actually get an average temperature in the building, and the boiler turns on and off uh, based on an average temperature of maybe five or six thermostats throughout the building. And again, this is an example of technology not really being um, being used correctly. What do you do when someone complains? The super says, well, I turn the heat up. And it's partially because they just don't know how to use the equipment they have. Um, I'm sorry, this is, this is actually the, the, the gadget with the sensors. Um, but this is another common problem where you have, you, you, you have the technology to have 10 different readings all over a very large building, which helps keep the boiler operating within a, a, an acceptable, pretty efficient range of temperatures. And if the sensors go out, if a couple of them are you know, someone has their stove on somewhere, so one of them is, is too high, then the super will, will turn it off, but often won't think to call a contractor or speak to the building owner to find out. So this is another, you know, to find out what to do about it. So this is another source of inefficiency that we, that we tried to deal with. Um, another, uh, partially the reason for showing this is because I like the pictures, but um, these are just infrared images where uh, you can see the temperature range on the bottom uh, where blue is, is cooler and yellowish orange is, is hotter. Um, one of the keys in an, older, in an older heating system is not, not necessarily ripping it out and putting in something fancy and new and expensive, but just tweaking it to make it work better. And in, in a, especially in Chicago, we have a lot of old steam heated systems. And um, one of the first things you look at is uh, the mainline steam vents, which basically, if you time how long they take to heat up, it will tell you how efficiently heat is getting around the building. Um, and in this particular building, it took a half an hour. Uh, what you'll see in a building like this is that certain parts of the building get very warm, certain parts get very cold. Um, and this is something, this is not a new, you know, this is not a new technology, um, but if you look at the third picture where it says 30 minutes later and that little uh, sort of tea kettle vent on the yellowish pipe is just now starting to get warm, that means that someone somewhere is just getting heat while someone else in another part of the building has had heat for a half an hour. And so you can be guaranteed that that person who's had heat for a half an hour has opened their windows. And um, that is a huge, that's another huge source of inefficiency. Um, infrared thermography is something that we really use. And again, I, I like this picture. Um, it can sometimes be hard to um, hard to put uh, quantitative value on it, um, in, except in the sense that it tells you surface temperature. But this is an example of an outdoor duct in the wintertime that was running heated air. And you can see where the sort of flashing and mastic around the duct was coming off. And this is something that was very uh, an, an incredibly effective educational tool to show the owner, the person on site, that, you know, it looks like just a duct, but when you when you look at it with this equipment, you can see that there's actually a, a good deal of heat loss, and it's a relatively simple fix. Um, so this is actually an example of a report of a, a table we might send to someone. We we take it upon ourselves to tell people um, what what it, what we think they should do, and what it will cost, and what we think the savings will be, and the paybacks, um, and. This is actually this is from a table when natural gas is a little more expensive in Chicago. Now the five-year projection is more like a dollar a therm, um, but we sort of update it as we go, and we think that um, this information is important. We want to be a sort of trusted, objective source of, of good data for building owners, and we have a database of hundreds of buildings' um, prices, and we also have quite a good deal of savings results, which we can compare to. Uh, the models we're creating. Um, after we complete the work, we try. We, we really we look at the consumption after at least the heating season, um, and we try to give a give a report to the owner to tell them this is what this is what your your consumption was previously. This is how you're doing. Part of that is also a follow up to see if there's issues with. Uh, the operation of the building or if there's some way that the building's underperforming, 
then we want to make sure that it gets corrected. Um, so this is actually based on some analysis we did. We have a lot more buildings now, but um, didn't have a chance to put it in this presentation, but we did um, an analysis a couple, a uh, few months ago of some buildings that we had really good clean data on. Um, uh, and we found that um, this is basically based on uh, heating, the reduction in heating load. Um, and so this has nothing to do with necessarily paybacks or, or anything like that. But you can see that um, by far in the typical building stock in Chicago, we found that air sealing and adding insulation to a kind of a roof cavity is one of the most cost-effective things, and it also saves the most. Um, and also uh, work on the heating system seems to be the key. Windows, we found also will will we found that they would save energy, um, but when it comes to paybacks, they're much worse um, because they're so expensive. Um, and we're still waiting to get a little bit. We, we know from other programs that have been run, because a lot of this technology is not new, that um, upgrading steam vents is really cost effective. In this sample size, we didn't have enough to really place the, a hard dot on the, on the graph. But we know that it's cost effective. Um, so this is, this is the kind of test that we would use to, to tell an owner whether you know, how we rank a retrofit would really be based on payback rather than just savings. And now I will turn it back over to Patrick, who will talk a little bit more about how our efforts correspond to the more regional efforts. Great. Thanks, Peter. Um, so it, you got a sense from Peter that with our multifamily program, we really try to make that one-stop shop model. Owner comes in, we tell them, we perform the audit, let them know what needs to be done in a cost-effective way, provide the financing, monitor the work, and approve uh, the results. And what we really want to do now is take that successful model and scale it up to um, programs that will work for multiple types of buildings, both single-family, multifamily, and commercial buildings, uh, and do that across the Chicago region. And we're fortunate enough to have received a Better Buildings Initiative grant from the U.S. Department of Energy of $25 million to be able to create the Chicago Region Initiative for Better Buildings. Um, and our goal with this program is to actually create the robust energy efficiency marketplace that is centered around a one-stop shop um, across the seven-county uh, Chicago region, as well as the city of Rockford, which is the next biggest um, city um, kind of outside our, our actual county region, uh, but the uh, uh, next largest city in Illinois. Um, and we were uh, fortunate enough to be funded for a three-year period uh, going through May of 2013. And our goal with the program is to really address those barriers um, that we kind of talked about at the beginning of the presentation, right? If you're a building owner um, interested in doing retrofits, you need access to information. You need to know how uh, what it's going to take to get a retrofit done, what needs to be done in your building, what the potential costs are, what the savings are, so on and so forth. And right now we saw that there's a lot of information sources out there, but it's really hard to identify what information you particularly need for your building, uh, which makes it very hard to get the retrofit done. You need access to capital. Um, currently, although in the multifamily program, we, we did find that about 50% of buildings self um, uh, fund, we know that those other 50% need the capital to pay for the investment up front. And it's often difficult to get access to the capital and the range that's necessary to complete retrofits. On um, single family homes, we're talking more in the range of uh, 5000 to 15000 which um, is too much to put on a credit card and probably not enough to deal with the half of a home equity loan often. So we want to create easy access to the financing. Last but not least, uh, we need to make sure that there are adequate uh, numbers of uh, contractors out there who will do the work and do it competently. And our goal is to create access to a uh, well-qualified, well-certified workforce. And if we do this correctly, we hope to really increase dramatically the frequency at which retrofits occur. So as part of the Chicago Climate Action Plan, we have a goal of um, retrofitting huge number, huge percentage of our uh, building stock in the Chicago area uh, by 2040. 
we're not going to meet those goals at all unless we dramatically increase the rate um, in which we perform retrofits, and that's what we're hoping to do with the CRIB program. So how specifically are we doing that? We're investing the $25 million grant from the Department of Energy into those three areas of information, workforce, and financing. On the information side, we're really focusing on getting the message out to building owners uh, of what needs to be done and how they can make it happen. Uh, so we have hired a marketing firm to uh, do some market segmentation research, figure out uh, what the, and figure out what messages reach different segments of the market the best. Um, and then from that, we will be developing targeted communication strategies to reach out to those different market segments. We'll have some direct outreach strategies, uh, employing some community-based uh, organizations and some trade associations to directly spread the messages to um, some segmented markets. Uh, we will have a regional information system. Uh, this will be a very uh, innovative web portal that will be designed to provide the information that you in particular need uh, to be able to undergo a retrofit of your building. So I'll start by segmenting you based on whether or not you're in a single family home, multifamily home, commercial building, and so forth, and get you the information that's targeted to you, your community, and your type of building. Uh, part of that information system will tie into energy audit tools that allow you to develop an online assessment of your energy usage and what um, particular measures are most likely to save you uh, money and save energy. Uh, then to make sure that we have a skilled and adequate workforce out there, we will launch two components uh, of the CRIB program to address uh, the workforce needs. We'll be launching a workforce intermediary uh, whose uh, goal will be to um, connect uh, job seekers with training programs, connect training programs with contractors, and ultimately make sure we have an adequate supply of certified, uh, well-trained, uh, well-qualified individuals to actually get this work done. However, part of this is also making sure that contractors um, know what they're doing and are able to assist customers in actually obtaining the resources and the financing that they need in order to complete the project. Uh, so one of the functions of our workforce uh, partner will be providing contractor support services uh, to make sure contractors are up to speed on the different financial and incentive programs out there uh, and support them in selling uh, the needed retrofits to their customers. Last but not least, uh, the largest chunk of money will be invested uh, into um, financial products to assist different types of building owners in having access to the capital necessary to complete the retrofits. Uh, a total of almost $16 million will be allotted between the different programs. We have two programs for multifamily buildings. One program um, is designated for low-income buildings. That's going to be partnering with municipalities um, who are doing um, CDBG rehab of affordable housing. We'll be adding energy efficiency to part of that. Uh, the other multifamily product is going to be a loan loss reserve uh, that will support uh, the energy savers project that Peter was talking about. Uh, so that money will be awarded to the Community Investment Corporation uh, that Peter talked about. Uh, and they will use that to offer more uh, financing uh, to multifamily building owners throughout the Chicago region, um, expanding the uh, Energy Savers program from Cook County, uh, where Chicago is located, to the entire uh, metropolitan region. Uh, then we have a large program for commercial industrial buildings. We're allocating $10 million to um, a commercial product that will primarily be based on a loan loss reserve model, leveraging uh, the $10 million investment at least 10 to 1 uh, to secure $100 million worth of financing for commercial industrial properties. Uh, we'll have, um, a, and then uh, getting to the single family side, we have three products for single family. We have an employer-assisted retro retrofit financing 
for all income residential properties. Uh, this model is based upon the concept of employer-assisted housing, uh, which if you're not familiar with the concept, it's basically uh, encouraging employee, employers to offer their employees a benefit uh, if they choose to live uh, near work, uh, thus reducing transit costs and uh, helping keep people uh, available, uh, you know, reduce commute times and so, so forth, as well as provide a tangible employee benefit. Uh, so oftentimes we see that universities, hospitals will offer these employer-assisted housing benefits. Uh, sometimes they'll use it as a recruitment tool. So hospitals will offer, um, say, nurses who are in short supply. Uh, they'll say, if you come move to our hospital location, we'll provide you with down payment assistance. Uh, and in exchange for that, you have to promise to work for us for the next two or three years. Uh, so we're taking that concept and applying it to retrofits. Uh, so we're basically working with some employers in the Chicago area uh, to match grant dollars to fund energy efficiency retrofits in their employees' homes uh, as an employee benefit and as a uh, PR tool, if you will, to uh, kind of increase their greenness. Uh, and we've had uh, quite a bit of uh, excitement and interest in that from a couple area employers. Uh, next, we have a uh, green loan program. This is a traditional financing program that's going to offer um, either secured or unsecured loans to uh, residential single-family properties to complete uh, energy efficiency upgrades. And then last but not least, we'll be uh, conducting an energy efficiency rating incentive financing uh, for property owners who complete um, a home performance with Energy Star or similar program to receive uh, incentive payment back based upon actual savings realized. Um, so our end goal with this uh, CRIB program is to kind of transform the marketplace going from that slide we saw earlier we start with the building owner. Rather than interfacing them to the myriad of products uh, out there, we want them to come through the our initiative, uh, one-stop shop. They come to CRIB. They will get the information they need to be able to make an informed decision. They get access to the financing uh, and capital resources necessary to make it happen and they get access to trained, qualified contractors who will walk them through the process, um, do it correctly, and prove that it is done. Uh, so with that, I think we will uh, wrap up our part of it. Um, our contact information is up on the screen for folks that want to follow up with us in detail, although it looks like my phone number has an extra zero thrown in it. Um, ignore that zero. And uh, feel free to drop us an email. Uh, and with that, we're happy to take any questions that may be out there. Peter and Patrick, thank you so much for that great presentation. Uh, we have a number of questions coming in from our audience, um, particularly on the, the principal agent problem, or the split incentives between a landlord um, and a renter. Could you walk us through in detail how you all approach that issue? Um, first, common spaces, um, sub-metering in different uh, rental units, um, the type of uh, rental contracts that are established. Uh, give us your, your thinking on this and how. what are the best ways to overcome some of the barriers. And these questions come from uh, Marshall Dewar-Bacon, um, um, Stephen Kosaks, uh, and others um, in our audience. Uh, sure. Uh, this is Peter. I'll, I'll take a stab at it. Um, many owners uh, do see the value, uh, for example, if there's a building that has uh, furnaces that are uh, tenants are paying an individual uh, rate for their furnace to heat the building. Um, while it is true that many owners are not interested in um, investing in efficiency, that if they don't see an immediate uh, financial benefit just based on their heating bill reducing, it is also true that we are able to make the case to owners that it is in their long-term interest because it's, it's a it's an improvement to the tenant's comfort, and in the long run, it will be contribute to the tenants, uh, basically how, how long they stay. So it's actually much more expensive for an owner to 
get a new tenant than it is to keep the one they have. So that's oftentimes uh, the way that we try to make that particular case. It's harder for us to put um, a really hard dollar sign on than, than it would be to just say, hey, if you insulate your roof, it's going to save you X dollars in natural gas a year. But that is one, one way that we try to explain to an owner or work with them to understand that, you know, savings is one part of it and comfort is another part and that, you know, tenant satisfaction in the end does have a, you know, does have an impact on their bottom line, which is, I think, a message that does resonate with them. Yeah, and I mean, I think um, we're probably, I don't know the actual statistics now, but I think we're somewhat fortunate in Chicago on the residential side to have a greater proportion of multifamily buildings with common heating. Um, and and as, as Peter show, you know, demonstrated in the graph, it's really those, those heating costs that are driving um, a lot of the energy. So it's a little easier of a challenge uh, for us than maybe in folks in areas where individual unit heating is more commonplace. Um, and I think the split incentive issue is, is much more difficult to address on the commercial building level. Um, particularly when you have, uh, you know, sometimes you have the opportunity to work with uh, the, the tenants because they have long-term leases that are enough to make it sensible to uh, get them to invest in the equipment, although then you have security, um, securitization problems with the mortgages, uh, and that's where some of the um, ESCO type models may, may uh, be more easier than real estate secured. Uh, investments. I was going to say one other thing, which is that um, there is some interesting, there was an interesting paper presented, um, I guess it was last summer, um, at the conference for the, the American Council for an Energy Efficient Economy, which is the ACEEE, um, and I could, basically the upshot of it was that uh, they did some, some research and interviewed some multifamily building owners and found that in, the, in their study that the split incentive was not as you know, owners were not as convinced of, they were not as much on the traditional, you know, I don't care if it's not impacting my immediate bottom line sort of stance that we might expect. So if, if anyone's interested, they could email me and I can try and dig that up for them. I'm building a bit on that question as well. You both mentioned the important, uh, importance of messaging and different messages just than the, the environmental benefit um, or the energy reduction uh, that people would be experiencing through doing these retrofits. Uh, could, and, you're, and you're going to be engaging with um, a marketing firm on creating customer segmentation and the ability to, to target different groups. Uh, could you talk about some initial insights that you have on what is the most effective way to reach customer, uh, building off of some of the, the imagery that you showed using the FLIR uh, thermal imaging cameras, and what, what really reaches people and makes them, makes them take notice of energy efficiency? Well, I think it's it is a little different for, um, I, think, I think any kind of marketing effort has to be appropriate to the geography you're in. Um, we've found for the Energy Savers program that our marketing efforts are, you know, the message is, is mainly about it, it's an investment in the building. So the, the building owners are, the message of, uh, most of the time the message of environmental impacts are less, less resonant, whereas if you tell somebody that, you know, they can, uh, you know, the messaging is more about your net operating income or, or, you know, hey, this is a great chance if you're acquiring a building and rehabbing it, we can, we can do a bunch of really high efficiency elements and, you, you know, and it's, it's a low interest loan, so it's cheap money. Um, so I think for, for building owners, we found that, that that's more, more of the messaging um, is that we will help guide them and, and the goal is more of an investment and a payback. Um, and then the means by which we access the building owners are um, we do a lot of uh, a lot of our, our work does come from our, our partner, the lender, CIC, because they've been in Chicago working with multifamily building owners for 30 years, so they have a very big existing um, stock of, of owners who, you know, who know them and trust them. Um, we also do a lot of outreach with uh, builder groups with neighborhood builder groups. We do, um, you know, we do trade shows. We do outreach through a lot of our contractor partners. Um, so it's kind of a we try to get out in different areas uh, to access them. I think with 
homeowners, the messages are more about savings and primarily comfort. I think that's what we've we've uh, found. And in those in those situations, there are different marketing tactics. I mean, you can do. Uh, we do a lot of marketing for our electricity real-time pricing programs, which I'm not as familiar with, but I'll take a stab at it, um, where we do a lot of um, direct mail pieces where we'll send out thousands of mailers at a time, and that's one way you can get, you know, you don't get a huge, uh, huge uptake, but if you send out, you know, 10,000 pieces of mail and you get, uh, you get a couple hundred, you get a uh, 2% response rate, that's not, that's not terrible. Um, but we also do a lot of community-based outreach where we'll go down and we'll find, you know, what, what they call the early, early adapters, you know, people who pick the program up first and then they're willing to share their experience with their peers. And so they're sort of a trusted advisor who, you know, so you're not coming out of left field and people don't think that you're from, you know, uh, forbid the efficient, you know, the uh, utility company or, or the city or the federal government or something. Um, so that, that's another sort of avenue that we pursue that we found very effective. Um, and also in, in the Energy Savers Program, the multifamily program, we just we get a lot of repeat business and referral business. And I think it, it, being able to actually prove the savings, I think, is a big message that we're able to deliver on multifamily. Um, so often folks are skeptical of, of the modeling results and will I actually save that much on my gas bill next year? And being having the history of having done it for a while and being able to show actual building savings and, and concepts, I think, is, is important. And as we build, you know, a program that address more market areas, um, having that information, I think, is really going to be critical to, to proving the success of this. We have a question from uh, Jan Bilsrand, which actually builds on that, um, and interested in what tools you're using to benchmark the buildings and how they're specifically tailored to multifamily residential buildings. Well, right now we uh, have developed our own internal uh, methodology. Uh, so we, we basically have an Excel-based uh, system, um, and then we, we have a database that that information gets fed into. Um, that captures a bunch of other data about the buildings, what type of heating system they have, how big they are, that sort of thing. Um, but we've found that looking at, I mean, you would think that a utility company, and apologies to any utility folks listening, but oftentimes I, you know, if I was buying and selling gas or electricity, I would want the information to be as accurate as possible. But we found that for the data we get, it, it needs to be looked at and it, and you cannot you can't just plug it into a formula and run with it. It kind of needs to be, um, you get a lot of what they call estimated reads, which are when someone doesn't actually come and read a meter, they just sort of say, well, we, we think based on last year and the weather and your consumption last year that you'll use, you know, a thousand therms this month, which could be wildly different uh, from reality. So there's a lot of sort of uh, looking at the data and making sure that it's correct and, and that it makes sense before it gets analyzed. So that's, that's why we, we've sort of developed our own methodology to do that that then feeds into our, our database. Drilling down into that, um, how you're actually able to measure and monitor uh, the usage in a building, um, we have a question from Jennifer Popic. Um, she says, I noticed that, many, uh, that in many areas you focus on your audits and plans um, but didn't see any focus on targeting energy consumption at the plug load level. Is there any plan or interest in partnering up with platforms that do that? In multifamily residences, we uh, yeah we, we often do we we will sometimes work on individual units, but we at this point we uh, have found that it, it's just not it's incredibly time consuming for us to do all that analysis for each um, for each electric meter. So it's not something that we really do right now. I mean, it's something that we'd be open to doing if somebody wanted to hire us to do it. Um, but it's just not something that we're focusing on right now because it's it's sort of the a little bit down the line perhaps. Can you talk a bit more? Um, this question comes from Elizabeth Stewart um, about how you're developing the contractor um, development activity, the sales training, and co-op marketing. Um, well, in terms of how it fits in with the larger uh, regional better buildings initiative. Uh, it's something that's still very much underway, and I, I, 
in this position where I can't say too much about it because actually the, the RFP to hire uh, the, the folks that are going to do that is still outstanding and hasn't been awarded yet, um, but there's proposals in. So I, in a broad sense, though, I think what we want to do is build upon the existing contractor networks um, that are in our area. So the utilities uh, in, uh, programs have already developed some contractor networks. There's already some existing certification resources, and there's a lot of money out there uh, in our region for training right now. Uh, so I think what we really want to do is more than uh, set up a new sort of registration and mandate system is uh, leverage the existing programs and resources out there um, and really use our funding to A, sort of coordinate it, and B, to specifically connect uh, contractors uh, through our system to folks who have the work and provide them with the background on, um, on on our on the financing programs that are out there and how to utilize you know the resources to get to get it done. And I mean I think Energy Savers has had real good success. Um, we're a long term in developing relationships with contractors and developing a network of folks who knows what they're doing and go through quality assurance. Um, and I think we want to get that sort of level of feedback, you know, in, in a broader scale um, by actually, you know, basing some of our contractor uh, recommendations on uh, actual documented performance and, and customer feedback. Uh, this question comes from Mark Handy and others. Um, is there a plan to integrate um, existing energy audit companies into your model, or will CNT be the only auditing firm? And can you talk about the, the transition from the audit to the contractor and the different models that are out there, whether it can be um, someone doing the audit and the contracting work, or whether you view that uh, separation between auditor and contractor as important in establishing trust with the customer? Um. I mean, for, for the regional program, we're certainly not intending for CNT to do every audit uh, in the region. Uh, as much as we try to convince Peter that that's his job, um, he pushes back that, no, we actually need to get some outside help. Uh, so in the long term, we actually want to develop um, that, that, you know, increase the auditor base and facilitate that transition. Um, within the Energy Savers program, it's... It, we've done it in-house, and I think we'll continue to do it in-house for multifamily um, because we've developed the, the expertise in that and comfort level. And I'll let Peter talk a little bit about the kind yeah. of handoff process. I mean, I, I think yeah, I think overall the goal is that there are a lot of auditors in Chicago. I mean, we definitely need more, and there needs to be a little bit of, a little bit more uh, consistency in the type of um, information that customers get and um, some of our some of our analysis and our research has shown that um, that the reports that customers get are not always uh, what I would call sort of actionable. Uh, it's not necessarily something that they can go out and take a piece of paper and call up a contractor and get uh, and get something done. So I think that um, I, I'm not I'm sort of speaking from not being that closely involved with with Patrick's work, but I don't I don't have I don't think there's any problem necessarily with um, with someone doing an audit and then uh, and then doing the contracting work as long as there's some level of QAQC built in. Um, but I think that most auditors we've dealt with uh, in the area, whether they work at CNT or not, realize that that there definitely has to be uh, feedback and a conversation between um, the contractor and the auditor so that there's some understanding of what. What the what the recommendations mean and how they can actually be implemented because it is it is sort of an issue and I think a lot of it becomes um, becomes project specific um, because we're you know there's part of the part of the, the issue is that there's there are utility programs there's people hiring uh, contractors with their with their own money outside of that or and hiring auditors and so I think a lot of that sort of handoff has to be program specific. Um, in the energy savers program, that's that's we are sort of that 
entity. I mean, we, we will go and do the audit, but then we will actually do the contracting management for the customer, which takes the, takes the onus off of them, and uh, we found it to be really effective. Can you both touch on um, the, the financing program in a bit more detail? We have questions from uh, Josh Kraft, Joe Tang, and others uh, looking at who's actually going to administer um, those, uh, the six loans, uh, the six loan financing projects, is going to manage and operate those. And also, um, have you seen anything uh, from the data in the Chicago region on the turnover of these properties, the ones that have been retrofitted? Is there um, the cap rate impacted, are people getting more money from the sale of these properties? Are you seeing that this efficiency rating is really impacting the real estate market? Well, I would say that that people aren't really uh, selling too many properties right now, especially in Chicago. So I think it might be a little little early to tell on that, but um, but I will I'll let Patrick answer the, the broader the broader question. Yeah. I <laughs> If any property sells, we'd be quite happy. I mean, um, yeah, the the well, the, I'll tackle the first part first, which is who is administering the financing, um, and the uh, the. So I don't know if I went clearly into the the kind of structure of the regional uh, better buildings program, but excuse me, it's the actual grantee from the federal government is the a government agency uh, called CMAP, the Chicago Metropolitan Agency for Planning. Um, and we are a sub to them uh, charged with helping them implement the program. Uh, CMAP has, you know, some rather strict procurement rules. Uh, so all the financing programs are put out to bid. Uh, so we've developed a series of RFPs and requirements, um, and we put those out to bid for financial institutions, banks, CDFIs, et cetera, credit unions and whatnot, to um, bid to operate the financial programs for us. Uh, so the multifamily program, um, uh, CIC won the bid process for that. Uh, so the multifamily part of the regional initiative will be administered through the Community Investment Corporation. Um, other products, uh, the municipal stuff is bid out that's, uh, and won. The big uh, commercial and single-family residential programs were actually uh, I was just uh, on bid review calls this morning on. So we haven't announced uh, winners on those projects yet. Uh, but the goal is to actually create uh, financing that will last after the period of the grant and be available through the private marketplace. So we really want to get banks, CBFIs, and others uh, involved in the process so that they'll continue lending in the future. Uh, and getting getting the value of the uh, retrofits counted towards the value of the building is, is going to be a long-term challenge. Um, and it's certainly exciting to see some of the work that's happening in real estate markets across the country where we're getting, you know, various green ratings and energy ratings incorporated into MLS systems, uh, multiple listing service systems, so that it's, you know, part of what the information that's available uh, to potential buyers when you when you go home shopping, um, I don't I don't, and, and we're still very much working towards that in Chicago. But I don't think we, we found the answer to that one yet. Uh, we have a question on sort of how this expands across the country, coming from Benjamin Zitron. Uh, do you expect to offer services in other cities in the future, um, or will you have a JV or a license to perform such services outside of Chicago? And if not, do you see any private sector models? Are there any businesses out there who you think could step in and perform this function um, in an efficient way uh, in the marketplace? Um, well, you know, I, I don't want to divulge my plans for world domination on a, on a conference call. Um, <laughs> so I'm not, so, uh, not going to go too much detail on that. I mean, you know, I think... Uh, our, our primary interest right now is the Chicago region, um, and you know we certainly like sharing uh, our lessons learned um, with others and, and get you know the good ideas we have replicated elsewhere and help people avoid our bad ideas. Um, so I think that's more where we're looking at nationally. Um, there certainly is a lot of private sector interest in this. Uh, I think the challenge becomes getting. Uh, the, the private sector scalable to 
uh, the smaller size buildings. Right, so I think the, the private market is pretty adept at handling the large deals that will get our downtown skyscrapers and office parks and things like that retrofitted, um, but trying to get make the business case and bring the costs down to a level um, and being efficient in our operations enough to get to the level uh, where you can have a good private sector case to start do the one-stop shop on smaller building types is going to be a challenge. Um, and I think, you know, we may still, uh, you know, be looking at trying to find ways to utilize, you know, uh, utility efficiency dollars and other subsidies to, to be able to fund that model, you know, in, in the short term. Uh, but in the long term, I think we can get it to the point where there's enough money to be made handling the small transactions where it's, where it's feasible. One final question for audience uh, as we're wrapping up. Do you have any thoughts on how you create, um, how you take the, the people who are participating in these programs and turn them into proselytizers for energy efficiency? How at a community level do you make energy efficiency, um, for lack of a better word, a phrase, go viral? Well, I, I mean, I, I'm, not, um, I'm not the marketing communications expert, but I can talk a little bit about our experience with energy savers. Um, building owners talk. You know, they see each other at events. Um, they talk to each other about contractors. Um, they, you know, so they, in many ways, like the word of mouth in a city even as big as Chicago is really effective. Um, and so what we've found is that using... Uh, our relationships with especially building owners who have been through our program and are happy with it and are seeing the sort of results um, that you know both in the improvement of their property and in the reduction of their of their utility bills um, that they expected and that we expected um, those are the people that we are using to do a lot to do sort of targeted um, marketing and outreach efforts um, so we'll often use them for We've done events like open houses where we've featured buildings that we've done work in, and we've invited people to come and, and sort of see and, and talk to people who have actually used this, used this program, used this service, because that's essentially what we're doing. We're service providers. Um, so we found that that, that, type of, uh, that type of issue really works. Do um, you have any other? No, I mean, any, doing a good job is always the best way to get more business, I think. Um, and the more that we uh, make the process easy for building owners, the more we walk them through, and the more we're actually able to prove their savings and demonstrate that, the more they'll talk to each other and um, the easier it'll become. And I, and I think we've certainly had uh, quite a bit of uh, referrals and repeat business with energy savers. So look forward to expanding that. I would say it also speaks back to the previous question about the private sector because, I mean, our, our CNT Energy being, being also sort of mission-driven, um, our goal is really that we want people um, to be able to pick up the phone and, and call a contractor and say, you know, I need you to balance my heating system or something, and that they'd sort of know what they were buying and what they were getting and what the benefits would be. And so we're sort of trying to push things in that direction and provide the framework for that. but. Um, as an example, one of the things that I considered a, a big victory for our program last year is that we've been, we've been, the last couple of years, we've just been very patiently repeating ourselves over and over again to building owners about what, what's cost effective, what's not. And um, we have done a bunch of buildings with some good contractors, gotten some good results. And when we, we worked with one building owner who, you know, I work, I, we, kind of, we have to work them over a little, um, and uh, in a polite way, of course. And he eventually agreed, and he examined our, our modeling results, and he felt comfortable. He said, okay, I'm going to hire this contractor to, um, to do some air sealing, you know, to seal up holes where air moves in and out of a building and to add some insulation to it. And he went through the program, took out a low-interest loan, and was happy enough with the result that before he even waited a heating season, he actually hired that contractor to do two more buildings and he didn't. And the great thing about it was that he didn't feel like he needed us to do it. Um, so that's the kind of that. That's what we really do want to see. I mean, we we would like to find, you know, each one of those building owners the first time and and 
work them through the process and then have them feel like they can, you know, in certain circumstances that they don't need a financial tool, if they have the, the capital to do it, um, that they don't really need us to be the middleman, that they can go and find it themselves. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that concludes the talk by Peter Ludwig and Patrick McElroy of CNT Energy. We'd like to thank Peter and Patrick for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Peter and Patrick, uh, do you have any final thoughts for our audience today? No, just uh, just thank you for the good questions, and we're happy to uh, to talk to people uh, offline, as they say, if you know if people are interested in more details. Great, thank you very much. Uh, the talk will be made available through Yale iTunes University and also on YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter for updates about the speaker series and new developments in energy efficiency, policy, technology, investment, and community engagement at Yale Blueprint. If you would like a copy of the presentation, please visit the website for the Center for Business and the Environment at Yale. The presentation will be under the Carbon Finance Speaker Series for this particular talk. We'll continue to delve into technology, policy, investment, and community engagement options as the weeks progress. We'll be hearing from OPower, uh, Bedford, Westchester uh, Energy Action Consortium, Maryland Step Up Program, and the Southeast Energy Efficiency Alliance over the course of the next month and a half. We look forward to your continued participation in the speaker series. We thank you for joining us for Blueprint for Efficiency. This is Stuart DeCue from the Yale Center for Business and Environment and saying so long from New Haven, Connecticut.